Hey everyone, this is Siobhan and you're listening to the Creative Outsiders Podcast, where we connect the dots for women's storytellers. And today I get to sit and chat with Arkesha Roberts. But just seeing that if you just network as much as you can, even while you're doing your nine to five right now, if you just network, 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 get on short films, get on student projects, get to know people in the area. Welcome Arkesha. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for- but then I was on set is like a script supervisor and of course a production assistant and um and then I did a lot of a second second AD work and here in Virginia um I came back after about eight years of you know living in um in New York writing for all kinds of celebrities and all that but my hometown's here so when Michael Copon he asked me to run his studio basically and uh, be his head screenwriter I was like of course <laughs> So I was able to run a studio for about two years and learn the insides of how to run a film studio. So and since the studio, I've been working nonstop on, um, you know, $2.5 million budgets and up um, and independent uh, films and local projects in the area from everything. But of course, still, I, I love doing production assistance still because you can never stop learning at any age. You can be a production assistant, I feel like, at any age. But um, also, I've been able to be second, second AD. And uh, one time I was second AD and talent coordinator. And so, and I don't know, it just always works out that projects don't really run into each other. And I feel like that's God's blessing. <laughs> so it's like, it's like one after the other. It's just like, I'm just going off of faith. You know, I, mm-hmm. I finally quit my job like three years ago, I think. And just, just jumped off. Yeah, no side jobs, no nothing. Just straight up film, film, film. And um. And it's just been working out. Thank God. <laughs> you said, and let's go back because I have to ask you about your journey. And you mentioned it briefly from being in LA to New York and back in Virginia. But how yeah. have you been able, I guess, to put yourself in position to no longer have to have the nine to five? Because that's the biggest thing as you're starting off as a filmmaker or whether you're in theater, you are hustling and doing your really your love on the side. So how do you think you've oh, been able? Uh, girl, yes. Uh, <laughs> I've done everything from dog walking. Oh, in LA, I was definitely a starving artist. I um, worked at the Arclight Theater mm-hmm. that a lot of people, if, they, if they're in LA, have you, do you know about the Arclight Theater and um, on no. Sunset? Tell me about it. <laughs> oh, man. Tell me about it. <laughs> girl, it's, uh, I mean, you only probably make $300 every two weeks. But <laughs> I mean, oh. hopefully now, more. <laughs> but you're surrounded around, um, it's like the little hiding spot for all of the celebrities. So I've seen like everybody from McDon- uh, Madonna, Jack Nicholson, uh, Justin Timberlake, like they all would frequent there. But, um, but yeah, in order to eat and survive, I would eat the hot dogs there every day and the popcorn and, um, and yeah, and eggs and cottage cheese and all that. But, um, so even doing that, like not just focusing and jumping out there in LA, um, I'm kind of disappointed in myself that I don't have that kind of courage that I have now, mm-hmm. you know, and that faith that I have now, because um, I'm telling you, ever since I've jumped off, it's just like God has made a way, like it's just nonstop. So I don't know if it's God in the universe seeing that I have um, <clears throat> this space and time now available that they can throws God can throw things at me you know right and and I can accept them because because uh, yeah even in um when I was in New York I had a commercial agent uh Carol Ingber and she's a big agent and I had this waitress job and then I was an assistant to this accountant I had like three jobs actually no four jobs at the time and I was still writing for Queen Latifah's company 
under um, on Rivera, uh, Lance mm-hmm. Rivera, that's her main director at the time, and I was writing for him. So essentially, that means I was writing for uh, Flavor Unit. And I got turned down um, because I couldn't take the job because my waitress job wouldn't let me go on the two auditions. So wow. after that, they're like, oh, you can't come. Oh, your waitress job is more important. Okay, enjoy your waitress job. And I had to enjoy my waitress job, I think, for two more years until I was just like, ah, I just got to just let go. So I think, of course, once you – if I was given that opportunity to, to run my studio. And mm-hmm. so I think that's when I finally, like, just broke free. And so I think once you get that kind of big thing, you know, or something that you know can um, can catapult you to another level – I think that's when you're able to kind of, you know, quit, quit the nine to five and have more faith. But just seeing that if you just network as much as you can, even while you're doing your nine to five right now, if you just network, 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 Mm -hmm. network, network, get on short film, get on student projects, get to know people in the area, go to all the meetings you can for VPA, um, film collective percolator. That's a new one. But um, just being in the midst of everything, um, in people seeing your work ethic and also your personality. Cause I feel like if you're just a likable person, mm-hmm. anybody's willing to let you on their set and to, um, especially if you're eager to learn and I'm always eager to learn, you know, I, I really want to learn um, camera. That's the only thing I'm not that good at, but um, please leave. Like I'm on my friend's sets, this and that, like begging for free sometimes, even now, Hey, mm-hmm. can I come on set just to like, you know, learn. So that's another um, skill I can have, you know, so then um, you did after school, you went to California, which you just talked about. So where do you feel the mistake that filmmakers make when they say, okay, I'm moving to California and then they go, what are we missing in the transition of going and seeking to be, you know, cause everybody wants to be the next, whether it's Shonda Rhimes or Ava, like, what are we missing in that transition? Because, you know, on social media, you, media, you see, oh, you know, I'm moving to Hollywood and then you don't see anything else or you only see the end product of the person maybe being successful. So what are we missing as filmmakers to, I guess, better prepare us or equip us if that is a part of our journey going to Hollywood? Went to Hollywood. Girl, uh, my roommate will tell you, um, I think it's all about work ethic too. Mm-hmm. I think you have to be, of course, persistent, but I was writing every day and I have this crazy thing that I do that I can write. Um, I've done it four times. I've written on uh, 90 pages in a day. It's just, I have this, if, if I have an outline, I can just go crazy because it's all about getting that rough draft out and then mm-hmm. chipping away at that rough draft to make it into, um, you know, a diamond. So it's all on the revision process, but just getting it out there. So I think that's why I caught a lot of um, agents and managers, why they wanted to work with me and a lot of other people just because of my work ethic. And I was just like hustling. I think you really have to just go there and hustle. Like don't get caught up in the the, the Hollywood life, especially or the LA life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, don't fake it till you make it. Like make it. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then um, be willing to, like I did background work and that's how I got on and, uh, and met a lot of people. So like, don't see like, oh, background work is beneath you. Girl, mm-hmm. I even did the game shows. The, you know, The Price is Right. Yes. And um, Larry Elder, Judge Joe Brown. Uh-huh. Yeah, I had an agent for that. That was my first gig when I first went there. So and I even met people in there. And then I got on Wild and Out. And then I got on here. And then I had an agent that um, got me on the Jonas Brothers, like one of their first videos. And, um, and then American Eagle, Xbox. Like, it was just on and on and on. Yeah, I think it's I think it's all in work ethic and your attitude and 
especially before you go, I mean, I got my, my BA in um, acting and theater. So I knew a little bit about what I was doing, you know. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you can just jump up and say, oh, like I can't just jump up and say, oh, I want to be a lawyer and go to, right. <laughs> you know, or, oh, I want to work on Wall Street. I need to know something before I go. Right. No, so that's try to be prepared. Yeah. That's true, though. That's a very good point. I think that we don't look at it that way. It's just like, I'm a creative, I'm a writer, I'm a filmmaker or actor, like, I'll find my way. And I think that's a very good point. Like, I'm over here like, oh, you got to get your life because that's what my master's is in screenwriting. And did y'all hear her say that she just would write 90 pages in one day? (laughs) That's that's serious. (laughs) Yeah, and especially if you have, um, if I have an outline or if you give me a treatment, um, that's how I actually ended up in Virginia because my co-founder hit me up. They wanted me to write this sci-fi TV show, and they said, we need it done ASAP. And I was like, how much ASAP? And they're like, oh, we can. And it was a, a large amount of money that they were getting if they could just get a first draft out there. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, so no revisions involved. I was like, okay. So I wrote that, and I promise you, a week and a half, I wrote 547 pages. Wow. Yeah, Red Bull, Red Bull, Red Bull, and more Red Bull, and more Red Bull. <laughs> and I and I had to ask my job. I took off from my job, so, you know, I was now on money. But, I mean, I ended up getting some money back, you know, for it. But Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, you have serious work ethic. That's good. And it's fun to me. It's an escape when I write. Like, yeah. I really do escape when I write. It's really, it's. It's just weird. I mean, you know, you're a screenwriter. Yes, it when is. You, when you really get into your story, oh, yes, it's especially if it's a horror movie and it's late <laughs> at night or something, and you're writing a horror movie, I scare myself. Or if it's a love movie, or if it's something like really sentimental or sensitive or has filled with family issues, girl, I'm like bawling the whole time. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So, how have you been able to find your voice as a writer and even as a director? How have you been able to hone like your unique voice? I think, um, I don't think I'll ever really, I know this sounds weird, I don't think I'll ever really find my own voice. Mm -hmm. I hope never to just be one type of voice because I'm always going to be changing. My life circumstances are always going to be changing. Mm -hmm. And uh, the stories are right. There have been all kinds of crazy stories from here and there. But I still find um, something about myself in those stories when I, um, I'm writing them, because usually they're for other people that I'm writing for. Mm-hmm. So I recognize, especially when I write um, historic pieces, I used to get really intimidated by um, by them for some reason. I would think, oh my God, that's, you know, John F. Kennedy or George Washington or Martin Luther King. I can't, I can't possibly, you know, do that. And then I'm like, wait a minute, there's people just like me, you know, they deal with um, the same type of crazy issues and fears and mm-hmm. disappointments and, you know, sadness, death, life. I, don't know, I hope I can, can continue to just grow and, and uh, but I'm excited about what I wrote 10 years ago. I'll, I'll like open it up and I'll read and I don't, I never, I always, I'm like, am I blacking out when I'm writing? Cause I never remember <laughs> that I wrote it, you know? <laughs> but, um, no, that's true though. I never, like, I used to ask people like, do you remember what you write? Cause sometimes I'll go back and read what I wrote and I'll be like, you wrote that girl. You were over there getting it. And I, I forget, <laughs> like, I don't know if yeah, I forget or just because in that moment I'm invested in the story I'm telling. So yeah. I totally forget. Yeah. So that makes me feel better. Thought it was just speech or thing. <laughs> yeah. And then not to spook you out, it's not crazy, but um, Quentin Tarantino and um, Fiona Apple, they said, especially they like to write at late hours like I do because they feel like a lot of um, 
spirits are flying around here and there. And uh, who knows? I'm not saying I'm possessed when I'm writing, but <laughs> but sometimes somebody might just say, oh, be whispering in my ear, like, or even God, or, you know, because I feel like there is, there should be a message behind what you're um, writing, even right. if it's like the most entertaining movie or there's crazy horror in it. I think there should always just be something in there that um, people take away from. And so with that said, I feel like, like even God knows, hey, that's a platform that might, might reach this amount of people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm going to whisper, I'm going to whisper this line in her ear and she has no clue how many people that's, that line's going to affect or that scene is going to affect. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so we talked about California a little bit, and then you went to New York, and you had the opportunity to work for Lance Riviera. Did I say that right? Because yeah. I mm-hmm. yeah, Lance Riviera, and a lot of people call him Uner. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. how how was that experience? Uh, just developing your skill even more. Uh, what did you learn from that? And then what did you? I always like to go back and look at like, did I have a life lesson? Is, did I evolve in that moment? Uh, okay. Hope, hope you're not listening. <laughs> well, what I learned, um, I mean, it was, um, the experience was phenomenal because I worked with him for about, what, about eight years and he hooked me up with whew, so many different people to like write for, uh, like Charlie Murphy and uh, Cat Williams. I did a little genie movie for him and, um, uh, of course, Flavor Unit a lot, and Wendy Williams, and Faze on Love, who I got to travel with. But um, but I was kind of really, really eager, which, what was I, about 24, 24 then, 25, when I started uh, with him. And so I would just, like, off the yin-yang, just for free, write anything for free, because I wanted to get that, you know, connection. Mm-hmm. So that was my way of getting connections with a lot of the, a lot of celebrities, especially, and even Commons uh, manager. I would just write for free, like, no questions asked. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like after a couple of years, at least, of doing that, I should have had more of a backbone and said, hey, no, I'm worth mm-hmm. this. And, you know, that's why you're coming to me. And this is what, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what I'm, uh, I've been better at doing now. Um, but, um, but he, but he told me in the beginning, too, he said, hey, look at this more as like an internship kind of program. So I knew what I was getting to anyway. Right. But after so much time of doing that with other people, especially, I should have laid my foot down and um, had more of a backbone and said, you know, this is my worth. This is what y'all me. Period. And I'm not starting to write unless you do it. But right now, I'm working on a project that um, I believe in, and so that's why I haven't even talked about monetary mm-hmm. um, anything because it's just a strong story. But but if somebody else wants me, to, they're coming after me now to do stuff. I say here, this is what I've done. This is what you're gonna have to pay. Or I'm not even gonna start. So as a screenwriter specifically, how did you figure out, because that's the one thing a lot of women who listen in are having difficulty in, and even people that I'm friends with, I call them my sister filmmaker friends, is figure yeah. out what to charge or what is your worth, because it's not like a teacher, you know, like I can, I know, okay, a teacher is supposed to make this. So how do you then find out, like, you know, what am I supposed to charge as far as my worth? And then why do you think, it's a double question, why do you think we struggle as uh, creatives with, like, being able to say, this is what I, you know, am worth? I know, it's absurd. I don't know why people (laughs) think that it's easy, like, it's nothing. Like, it's the hardest part. Yeah. But, I mean, I do understand that 
and the part that sucks is they, they need the script to get the money, mm-hmm. you know, so that's the hard, but usually, hopefully there is a budget already in place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if there's a budget in place, then you want to take a certain percentage of that, you know, just depending on the budget and then, um, and then how much work you have to put into it. Like if you have to do the outline, the treatment, you know, uh, character development, if all of that's not in the play, then yeah, you need to ask for a little bit more. Um, but uh, yeah, depending on what you charged on the last script and what you received and, you know, and how far that project went, you know, I feel like that's how you can um, base, but really based on the budget. But if there's no budget, that's when it becomes very tricky. Yeah. And if you're writing for yourself, of course, that's when, of course, it'd be more tricky. But if you're selling it, um, I mean, really 38000 to 75000 you should always go for Right. If if you're asking me, but um, but if you're working for an independent film or um, you know, something small and their budget's only like ten thousand dollars, you know, I'm only gonna ask for something really small. Especially, if, and I'd only do that if I know them. Yeah. And and I feel like there, it's gonna go somewhere. You know, I would probably just ask for like a thousand or two thousand or something like that. And if it's twenty thousand, fifty thousand budget, I want three thousand, four thousand. If it's right. more, you know. Yeah. I just kind of judge it upon that and how well I know the person. So. You have transitioned and you're back in Virginia. And this is the biggest thing that I run across, especially even with um, running the creative outsiders. Everybody is like, (laughs) is your film community non-existent? So I know that you were actually here working initially um, to be hired as, what was it again? You were running a studio? Yeah, Michael Copan, his studio um, on Granby Street. yeah, I was just his head screenwriter and then operations manager. Okay. Yeah, there was a lot going on at that studio. <laughs> so you were uh, there, and how did they? How did he find you? And then, what do you tell somebody who is in this area? Like, what did they do to get connected into the film community? Well, I actually knew him in high school. Thank God. And then um, when we were in LA, in LA, he uh, was doing huge things like he was on the uh the, he was a, the scorpion king oh you know, okay. part two, yeah. and he was one tree hill bring it on um what else did mike do um he was a power ranger and um but yeah he was like doing his thing he was making like two hundred thousand per show 200 you know so um so we always said that we wanted to do something in virginia he said because you know his family's from here and my family's from here and so probably like what 10 years later that's what we ended up doing we just stayed connected throughout the year. And that's just really big with me. I stay connected to everybody. Honestly, it's all about networking. I mm-hmm. feel like everything is all about networking. So even all the celebrities that I've written for this and that, I tried my hardest to still, you know, just here and there, just pop up with what I'm doing, showing that I'm still relevant. Right. <laughs> I'm still working hard. And cause you never know when you might want me to work with them again, mm-hmm. you know? And then as far as uh, you, because I know that you also, do playwright what do you what do you love like what is your baby what's the thing that you love the most if you had to pick Uh, see everybody asks (laughs) me that and I say nope nope I'm not picking one at all (laughs) not at all I'm gonna continue like right now tomorrow I'm leaving for Baltimore for a month and I'm gonna be um basically second second AD on set for about a month and um and this is a huge production um starring Michael Ely and I always say his name wrong Kofi Sabori 
No, you're right. <laughs> He's so, the last um, season one of my favorite shows. <laughs> right. Queen Sugar. Yeah. And then right before this, I was doing um, production assistant work. And then for JPEGs, I did some, I was a liaison for, for their clients. And I would just assist the crew, uh, the camera crew. Mm-hmm. And uh, script supervisor, I just did on another set, art director on um, this music video with this guy I've been wanting to work with for a, a while now. So I just want to continue to spread my wings, girl. And I'm good. I can do that, you know, yeah. and, and, and never thought it was possible. But I, uh, one of my little friends, she just, she just said, hey, you know, you're going to own a studio one day. And I was like, wait, what? What? She's like, yeah, all of this you're doing is going to lead up to that. And it's going to be a, a massive studio successful. And I was like, oh, wow, cool. And I was like, and I can kind of, I never saw that before because, you know, I'm not really loud and I don't know if you have to be obnoxious on a studio <laughs> but things are changing these days because of so many women especially Carrie um, yeah. Washington now she has her own thing so um so I can still be c- very kind and genuine and you know what I mean and, and have a little voice and I can run a studio and, and I can show my niece that they can also you know and they don't have to sleep your way up yeah <laughs> you know no, you can start off as a PA or a background actor and yeah. get to that point that's true. And I agree with that. I, that's why it's so big to me to have this and to use this platform because there's so many girls and even women and like older women, well, let's not say older, seasoned, <laughs> who yeah. don't know that this is possible. And then it's hard because they don't know who to go to or where to start. So I think that it would be really awesome if you had your own studio and I'm all for it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, no, they just need it. Like they said, you just get out there in community. Just get, stay out there. Just stay in whatever community you're in. If you're in Texas, if you're in North Dakota, if you're wherever, I know that there is a film studio everywhere. Everybody loves movies. Everybody loves film, TV shows. So I know that there, wherever you go, if you be in the in a little <laughs> rainforest somewhere, I'm sure you could still find some type of uh, film crew or something that you can go say, hey, can I be a PA or hey, for free? Can I pick up trash? Can I just be on set? I want to learn. I'm eager to learn. Please, can I help? You know? And yeah. once you do that, boom, you don't know what can happen from that. And be nice on set. Be likable and just yes. work hard. Definitely be nice. And that's funny that you said that because you were like, oh, I don't know if I could, uh, you know, have my own studio because you know how people, the assumption is people are like me. That happened with me on set uh, not too long ago. I was the assistant director for my friend friend's project and like the actors later we were talking they were like you're not like the typical ad and i was like what do you mean they were like you were nice to us (laughs) (laughs) and i'm like yeah you're supposed to be nice like i want you to perform your best so like why am i going to be yelling at you like that doesn't work it doesn't work for me so i know it doesn't work for you yeah, it's ridiculous. Some of the egos that um, I've seen on set, it's, it's really ridiculous. And I'm just like, hmm, yep. And I, but I've seen so many other people. Um, oh, man, like Michael Copan, he was always fun to work with. He was always great on set um, as a director. And uh, JPix, John Abrams, I don't know if you've ever worked with them. No. But they are the epitome of how people should be on set. Like, they're just so just smooth and fluid. And, and Citri, he's another person in the area I worked with who's um, – it's awesome to work with. Just, you know, just all about your set. It's no need. My dad's a doctor and, um, and he deals with life and death. And he, I, he, like, he just got this humanitarian award for being kind 
in the, you know, right. and he's dealing with real life. He's yeah. Making way more than probably all of us to put together, but it, he's not acting that way. So he, he taught me a long time ago to form that habit of being kind. It's not that I'm a kind person, but I choose to be that way. Yeah. And, um, so I don't know. I just see things changing. I just see like glamour being bought, brought back to the set mm-hmm. and, um, and just some kind of humanity being brought back to the set. So it's more enjoyable. It should be. Yes. So somebody who is a newbie on set, do you have any tips for them or things that they shouldn't do? Like, let's say this is their first time being able to work on set, whether they are a PA or a script supervisor, do you have any suggestions for them? Yeah, definitely. Stay working, stay moving. There's always something to do. I mean, as a script supervisor, well, yeah, definitely there's something to do. But yes. as a PA, <laughs> there's always something to still do. And stay off of your phone. Um, stay, like, you have to seem interested. Like, and if the camera crew is working and they're standing, you need to be standing. Like, mm-hmm. don't ever sit. <laughs> I always tell everybody, don't sit down. Just uh, understand that even though it seems like, you know, they, they say it's called hurry up and wait. But during those waiting times, there's still urgency and you never know. Just be on your toes the whole time. You never know what, when somebody's going to need to do something. Just always be on your toes and be likable and don't be lazy. <laughs> don't yes. be lazy at all. Don't be lazy at all. <laughs> how did you uh, also find your agents? Um, because I know that you mentioned that you had several. How were you able to get in connection with the agents that you had or currently have? So I sent out, when I was in LA, I sent out probably a thousand of those Manila envelopes back in the day. And I would put mm-hmm. all kinds of stickers and this and that. And I constantly kept my um, headshots up. And um, yeah, I would just always just send them out, send them out. I just look at it as like an, a number game. So if you send out 10, it's not likely you're going to get anything. But if you send out a thousand, mm-hmm. you might get two back, you know? <laughs> And so, uh, so that's how I got one. And then uh, when I was in LA, I mean, New York, um, Heather B. Do you remember Heather B? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I was waitressing. I was at a diner <laughs> in Journal Square, the uh, diner that they filmed Sopranos. Um, and uh, that was a tough time. But I just remember, girl, I talked to everybody. I don't care who you are, where you are, what. I, I, I take advantage, full advantage, always. I don't care if I'm in the bathroom. And um, I see a celebrity or anything or, or somebody I know who's in the industry. I take advantage and I try to have my cards ready. If not, this is my number. This is what I got going on. And um, and so I, me and her ended up, she was holding my hand and we were praying and, and uh, crying and stuff because uh, I was just going through some things. Uh, <clears throat> crazy ex-boyfriend. But in Jersey City, is not the easiest city to live in. But um, I just remember like just crying to her about it and, and she was like, oh, here's my agent's number. She was like, I see potential in you. So I called her uh, agent, got an audition, and booked it. That's so, see, I'm just, I was saying this in the uh, last podcast I did. I just am such a believer in, like, divine moments, like, that God will put you in the right place with the right person at the right moment to give you, like, that mm-hmm. nudge and the connection that you need. So I am such an advocate, like you said, like, I... I call myself an um, introvert extrovert because <laughs> I can be very introverted. But when I'm out, like I talk to everybody, like I talk to everyone yeah. and I find out like their life story before you know it. I'm like, have fe- 
I know everything about their life. We have <laughs> communicated, but from that, so many really good relationships have come from that. Yeah. And that's how, yeah, it has to, it, and, and I mean, and they're never forced to me, like they're, you know, organic relationships that like how you, how you're talking to them and listening to them and really mm-hmm. just being a human being, it's not forced and fake because people can see through that. Mm-hmm. And that's actually something that's happened to me a lot. Like uh, I thought people wanted to be my friends, but then I found out nah, they were just kind of using me. Which, which that's, that, that's been a little weird for me lately. But no, the organic, these relationships, like they just continue and continue and, and you don't expect anything from them. Because mm-hmm. a lot of these people have relationships with that. I mean, I might not work with it ever, but I keep in contact with them and we make jokes and it's just, it's just so natural. Yeah, and I feel like that's how, the, that's good networking when it's just natural and uh, an organic connection. But you do, of course, have to put it out there. You know, you have yeah. to make that connection. I, I totally agree. So what is the next for you? I know you are working on a lot of projects for other people. Do you have anything that you are working on for yourself? I do. I have, um, it's a, it's a historical adventure, uh, kind of similar, kind of has an apocalyptic. Remember, um, am I saying it right? Apocalypto. Yeah. You know, with uh, Mel Gibson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that, it's that kind of a, uh, story and I don't want to say too much girl I'm not trying to I don't want anybody to take my idea oh yeah we but, don't um, want anybody pro- to take your idea <laughs> <laughs> but I'm producing um trying to produce that uh getting that off the, the ground right now and it deals with uh, Native Americans so possibly might be getting federally funded for that oh, and it's a huge awesome. budget yeah and I just want to like I just want my reputation as a producer to be amazing so I want everybody to be able to be paid completely like what you're supposed to get paid. And then I want to be able to, like I said, bring um, glamour back to the set. So a lot of people are just, oh, I don't know. Sometimes like some sets, it's just not right how their people are treated. And uh, my extras will always be treated phenomenal. You know, you'll be, you might be like, wait a minute, are you an extra? Are you, are you the principal? Because, <laughs> 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 you know, I've just lived that life. Um, but then I'm producing another um, one. Uh, I can talk about this one. Um, it's called, it's a New York Times bestseller called The Promise. And that's actually what I'm reading right now, too. So she, it's a real true story. She, you might know about her. Um, she fell in the pool. She's a bride. You know, or she was a bachelor. It was a bachelorette party. And her, her and her friends went back. You know, they had been drinking, of course. Mm-hmm. They went back to the pool. And she got pushed in the pool and uh, broke her neck. And oh, wow. her husband still married her. Yeah, they had a surrogate child. And she's just oh, so motivational. Yeah. She forgave her friends and all that. So it's just a beautiful story. And it's even helped me recently because my stepfather, he um, had back surgery. And it taught me to be more um, self, more selfless, I guess, and, yeah. and to be there more for him with my time and stuff. Um, I'm such a sap. I'm over here like, I got so sad. Like, now I have to read this book because I just got so invested in the story. Yeah. Rachel Chapman. Yeah, it's a beautiful story. I'm just so inspired by her. And I've kind of now found like a friend in her and I want to be her friend. (laughs) And, um, you know, in any way I can help her out. I even told her next time she comes into town, I'm like, hey, girl, let's go out. Let's go. Let's go party. Like, you know, we can still make that happen. You can still have fun. Yeah. Um, So when do you see that project um, being um, greenlit? um, I'm thinking, um, because I've been talking to a lot of possible investors right now, Mm -hmm. and we're still getting the script together, still in, like, way pre-production phases. 
it'll be a bit, but because of um, she's been in uh, on People magazine and um, and what is it? What's it? Today's Show, and even turned on Oprah's Show because she was not willing to tell um, who did it to her, who which friend pushed her in. Wow, that's why it's called The Promise. Yeah, so she's an amazing person. A lot of questions. She was like, "I'm not. We're gonna we're gonna hide who you are, you know, because we." don't want anybody coming at you the wrong way wow right yeah (laughs) it's just like I could see why you you know have like this reverence or respect for her and even just forming a relationship because like how amazing does your heart have to be and forgiving for you to be able to say you know like in this moment I want to protect you because I know like out in this social media world people are like so mean um, mm-hmm. and they would be on you. I think that like just tells you what type of character she has. Like that's pretty dope. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, now can't can't wait to see that. And then your other pro- project that you can't really discuss that much. But yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be good. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yes, that's going to be good. So you already told us what book you are reading. Um, what are you watching right now? So I just recently started uh, this Netflix show. It's kind of strange, but it's called The Center. And it's um, with, uh, starring uh, Jessica Biel. Oh, I haven't watched and that. It's really crazy. Is it? <laughs> can I just say the first, can I tell you the first episode? Sure. Because it, it just says it. Okay. So she's just on the beach um, with her husband and, um, you know, and her baby. And she goes off swimming and then she comes back. And uh, this guy and you know, this couple, they're just having a great time on the beach and, um, you know, just rolling around. And, you know, they're tipsy, just having fun. And she goes over with her knife and just, like, stabbed him. What? Killed him. I know. <laughs> and that's the first episode. I was like, whoa. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what I'm watching. That's really <laughs> I crazy. Just love, like, yeah, and it's like a female character. You know, that's something yeah. you don't expect. That's not normal. And it's a mom, you know, of a, a two-year-old doing it on the beach. Just chilling. Girl. <laughs> yeah, this is different. I'm going to have to check that out. And before, I know that was supposed to be my last question, but then that made me want to ask you another question. How did you, because a lot of women, uh, well, I'm not going to say a lot trying to not do absolutes but women usually are not um in the genre of horror how did you start to do that or like why did you choose that because I'm so scary Carrie I used to go watch scary movies but now I can't like it makes me dream and I just can't watch it <laughs> yeah I love horror movies um I don't know I just like that emotional roller coaster uh, like while I'm watching it yeah but, and I feel that way when I'm writing it but no, the first uh, manager that I had, uh, JD, when I went out to um, to LA, he um, he had me writing nothing but horror, like nonstop horror, just because it's easier to sell. Because mm. like um, even internationally, because um, you know comedy is different in Britain and in Africa and in India and in America, yeah. but horror is always like the same across the board. So that's why he had me like pumping those scripts out. And then you don't need an A-list actor or a B-list actor. You don't. Really, or even C-list. Everybody <laughs> can be like not known. Yeah, because it's always, it's about the horrors, what's more exciting. So, that's, a, that's, that's a very good point. Like I never thought about that. Yeah, like what is uh, funny and like we find funny here, it's not going to be what someone else finds funny. That's a good point. 
Mm-hmm, but horror is always scary. Yeah, it's, it's scary. always scary. <laughs> we know that we want to run and we want to stay alive. That's it. Right? <laughs> that is yeah. funny. So let everyone know how they can keep up with you, social media, website. And after you say that, that is going to make me ask you one more question. I'm being, doing okay. so horrible today. <laughs> oh, I like you. So um, on Facebook, um, it's just Arkesha Roberts. A-R-K-E-I-S-H-A, and then Roberts, R-O-B-E-R-T-S. And then on Instagram, I'm uh, Keish777, so it's K-E-I-S-H-777. And that's all I got right now. (laughs) Okay, so do you see in the future yourself having a website, and then how do you feel about social media as a creative? Because... Sometimes social media can like suck your life away and then you're like not creating. So how do you feel about that? Yeah, I try to only honestly post things that I've completed already. I don't like really posting the entire time usually what I've been doing. So I don't get sucked up into it, you know? Right. Um, And then I I don't know. I mean, I understand if you're a model, like posting every second. But sometimes some people I think just do a little bit too much, like pump the brakes, like, just kind of like post like uh, show milestones, like just show like what you because honestly, I've gotten a lot of work just from social media too. Mm-hmm. Like I even got an audition from it. Um, and recently, one of my favorite bands, uh, Citizen Cope, um, I reached out to them because I was just writing one night. And I was like, you know what? I'd never thought that he would respond. But I said, I said You're, you have really just helped me pump out this script. I listen to your music the entire time. And I said, I feel like close to the universe and God when I listen to your music. Do you know he wrote back? Exactly. And we've been talking ever since. Yeah. And he said, oh, I noticed you're a screenwriter. And so now I'm writing a screenplay possibly for him. Hmm. So just like that. So yeah, you got you to put yourself out there. I think social media makes it even more um, likely now. If you, can, you can connect with people who you would have never thought before. And you don't have to go through some mailing system or wait in a lobby or stalk somebody. Like you can actually just say, oh, this is what I've done. This is what I'm doing. And it's on there. It's like, you know. Um, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Good advice. So y'all all know the drill. Don't talk about it. Be about it. Live your filmmaking dreams. Make sure that you subscribe. You leave us comments. Let us know what you want to hear. Questions you have from any of our guests. I will shoot it to them. And you can follow us on uh, Instagram. And it's at the Creative Outsiders. You can also go to our website, which is thecreativeoutsiders.com for show notes and anything that we discussed today will be listed up there as well. So until next time.